0: Good
1: afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Porter on nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM. We are uh, we're going to talk a little bit later on the program about hate crime legislation. You know, obviously there's been some incidents. We had that that Walmart parking lot incident earlier this year. Um, you know, there's there's been some other issues. People saying that, that that we need to have hate crime legislation in North Dakota, but It seems like the people in charge of actually enforcing our laws um, aren't so much in favor of it. Uh, I'm going to be talking with uh, Aaron Burst. He's a former prosecutor. He's now with North Dakota Association of Counties, also the North Dakota State's Attorney Association. He's the executive director. Um, We're going to talk with him about that and and about the practical realities of hate crime legislation because I, I think there's a lot of people who push for this who feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like the push for hate crime legislation is more about checking off political boxes. I, I, I really, I think it's more about politics and virtue signaling than it is about any practical policy that's actually going to reduce crime in any meaningful way. Because that's the big problem with hate crime legislation across the country. Uh, you know, dozens of other states have have implemented it, and. There's little evidence that it's done anything to reduce crime there. And if it doesn't reduce crime there, then then what are we accomplishing? So anyway, we'll talk with uh, Aaron about that a little bit later in the program coming up here at 1.30. Natil, how are you doing this afternoon?
2: I'm a little more tired today than I was yesterday. I think jumping back into real life was a (laughs) a bit more taxing than I expected it to be.
1: It's always an adjustment. We got a a little bit of, uh, I I guess, bittersweet news in in the uh, the program before this one. Sandy Buttweiler uh, announcing uh, her... Uh, resignation from Wday which um, I, on one hand is a little bitter because I think we're all sad to see Sandy go she's Absolutely. a talented talented lady but on the other hand um, you know it's nice off to the next adventure right I mean it's always kind of exciting when someone starts a new chapter in their life so I think uh for what it's worth hats off to Sandy a job well done, quite a career and uh, good luck in the next venture uh, you know I think I think that's something we're all uh, we're all thinking. 701 Email talk at WDAY.com. You don't until yesterday we were talking about um sort of the topic of the show was are we are we coddling our, our kids? You know, and I was talking about, you know, I'd I'd watched gone in the movie It and we have you know this whole sort of genre of movies that's about kids usually set no later than the nineteen eighties but kids who are just sort of allowed to, to romp and go out and have adventures and, and be very independent of, of adults. Uh, and then this other incident where you know we had uh, Frank, who's an awesome kid, who asked to mow the White House lawn, and he got the opportunity to mow the White House lawn. And then a bunch of uh, spoil sports on Twitter started complaining about child labor laws. And it, it got me wondering about whether or not we're, we're coddling our kids. and We had a lot of people calling in about that. Um, I actually, somebody sent me a really nice email, uh, overnight and, and I thought it was, I, I thought it made some, a, a really good point. Uh, this person said that they have stopped telling their kid to be careful. And I, I know that's something I do all the time with my kids, right? Every time they're going out and doing something, maybe it makes me a little nervous, right? Because even though, even though I try to be. I try not to be a helicopter parent and, and I try to give my kids a, a, a reasonable level of autonomy. I still worry, right? I mean, that's just, I think that's just being a parent, right? It's just worry and anxiety. So I I guess I thought it was, I, I tell my kids to be careful all the time, right? I mean, they're, they're climbing up to go down the slide and it's be careful, right? They're, they're riding their bike and, I'm you know, be careful, stay out of the street. And the the, the the listener sent me the email and said they stopped saying that because it instills too much anxiety in, in the kids. And then they said instead that they try to do very specific reminders, you know, instead of saying be careful, say, you know, remember to stay out of the street. You know, there's cars driving on the street, stay out of the street. Or, you know, watch it on the teeter-totter because, you know, little kids are running under it, so, so make sure you're looking around. Very specific things like that. I liked it. You know and I I think that maybe speaks to the balance we've got to strike between you know pr- wanting to protect our kids and, and wanting to make sure that uh wanting to make sure that they're they're protected and, and safe uh but then also letting them go out and, and have that autonomy and and having a, a healthy you know sort of sort of independent life because I don't think it serves anybody well when we make our kids too dependent anyway I thought it was really good and it was an interesting topic yesterday so um anyway that's that I thought it was a nice email. I'm always glad when the audience sends in emails about their experiences with this stuff. I, I think it's good. Uh, let's see. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, all right. So, oh, here's some interesting news. Yesterday, uh, the Club for Growth, admittedly a, uh, a right-of-center organization, uh, they dropped a poll, and I talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, uh, but they dropped a poll, and it indicates that a plurality of North Dakotans, 44% versus 42%, uh, would rather see a new person take over the Senate seat currently occupied by Senator Heidi Heitkamp, uh, as opposed to 42% who think that she deserves re-election. Um, a narrow margin, but to the extent that we can trust the poll, and again, it's a, it's a poll, it's very early in the cycle, and it's by... Uh, an organization, club for growth, that's definitely right of center, and, and definitely probably wants to see Heidi Heitkamp lose the election. So, take all of those grains of salt, but just stipulating for a moment to the idea that that, that the polling is accurate, um, not a good look for you know an incumbent heading into a reelection. So. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a tough polling for her. But what I thought was interesting is that they matched up Heitkamp with, in, in a potential matchup with state treasurer Kelly Schmidt. And Schmidt beat her 48% to 44%. Now, neither of them over 50%, but I think that's very, very interesting. And, and it makes me wonder what that could mean for Heitkamp and her vulnerability in terms of having a, a female challenger. Now, I I, I don't really like identity politics. I don't think you should vote for anybody because of their gender, whether they're male or female. It shouldn't matter. I mean, what should matter is, you know, are they going to do the job in the way you want them to do it? I mean, that's ultimately what should matter. Their identity, their skin color, their religion, whatever. The rest of that I don't think should matter. But it is interesting because for a lot of people it does matter. Like it or not, it is a factor in politics, and it sure looks like Heitkamp might be vulnerable to a female challenger, which is interesting because Republicans have a number of potential Republican challengers that are female. Schmidt is one, although honestly, I, I, I don't know how interested Schmidt is in. I've been trying to, to speak with her about this. I don't know how interested she is in the U.S. Senate race or how serious she is about campaigning. But obviously she was polled against Heitkamp and did pretty good if we can believe this poll. Uh, but then also Border States Electric CEO Tammy Miller which is news that I broke on sayanythingblog.com, is considering a run for the United States Senate. Kathy Nessett, State Board of Higher Ed member, geologist, uh, works as an oil field consultant, very accomplished career there, Uh, is also interested in in potentially challenging Heidi Heitkamp. Those are three very strong. uh, Schmidt, in her own right, has been elected on the statewide ballot four times. The last three times she elected, she got more than 60% of the vote. These are three... Female candidates that are very, very interesting, potentially very, very strong challengers to Heidi Heitkamp. I got to think Heitkamp's in trouble. Now I don't think anybody should ever underestimate Heidi Heitkamp and her ability to campaign and win elections. She's pretty good at it. But it's interesting. Interesting dynamic forming up in that race. 701-293-9000, 888 Email talk at WDY.com. Love to hear what you think. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Are you an are you an iPhone or an Apple user, Natiel?
2: You mean iPhone or Android?
1: Or what I say, iPhone, iPhone or Apple? Apple? Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am ridiculously tired today. Yeah, I, iPhone or uh, or Android.
2: I am most certainly an iPhone user. I'm an Apple I user.
1: I figures. Well, it's
2: well, it's not because I'm. It's not because I'm a girl. It's not even necessarily because I, I made that specific choice when it came to my phone. Wait, did you
1: say it's not because you're a girl? Yes. What. I, I didn't know that there was a correlation between women and iPhone use. Oh,
2: I feel like I feel like guys especially tend to think that women choose Apple devices because they're less tech savvy or what have you.
1: I don't know that I've ever. I don't. I don't. I guess I've never made that connection. Uh, maybe but.
2: maybe that's just some a couple of random encounters that I've had about my iPhone use. No, but when I was in college, um, I was gifted an iPad to use for um, a lot of my college needs, like my, my note taking and things like that, I did all on an iPad so that I could reduce the amount of weight I was carrying around in my backpack. Yeah. I, in fact, got a lot of my my textbooks digitally and things like that on the iPad. And at that point in time, the the best tablets that were available were Apple iPads. They, they were just yeah. the best that were available. So, so then when I got into my phone, which happened after that, I didn't get into the smartphone game until late, late, late in the game. I already had a bunch of sure. money invested into right. Apple uh, applications and stuff like that. So
1: I guess, you know, the whole history, I, I just, I grew up on PCs. The first computer my dad got for the family was a, like a Franklin uh, IBM compatible way back in like 1989. Um, and it's just always, I mean, because of that, you know, PCs just make sense to me. Um the, you know, that's what's intuitive to me. And they're cheaper, you know, all the way up through like Android phones are just cheaper. But this new this new iPhone that has come out is is a thousand bucks. Nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's that's not that's that's the iPhone X. I mean you could still get like, it. The now, iPhone... now is it supposed
1: to be iPhone X or is it iPhone ten?
2: Well, it's using an X. It's it's the Roman right. numeral for ten. I don't know. I've heard people. Because I've call heard about, it, I've heard
1: people like, "Oh, you're supposed to call it the iPhone 10."
2: Well, whatever. It's, it's like, it's, why did you write 10 then? They they skipped nine, so they can do yeah. what they want, I guess.
1: Yeah, a thousand dollars for a phone.
2: Yeah, but you know the the thing is, we as consumers don't really we don't use laptops very much anymore because we use our phones. See, that's and, I, I think and that's you a, used to spend about that much on a laptop.
1: That is a that is a point that a lot of the sort of free market right of center economists ha, have been making is that you know people complain complain about you know the cost of technology and that but then they point out look at all the things that your phone replaces though, right? I mean, for a lot of people, phones have replaced like landline coverage or you know landline pe- subscriptions. You know, people don't have that anymore. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Um, you know, like cal- you know, calculators. You know, you can use your phone, uh, digital voice recorders. I mean, there's there's this whole laundry list of things that your phone can do now, that replaces other things. And and I think that's a point. I was actually reading uh, just a quote. Um, Apple CEO Tim Cook uh, was talking about this on Good Morning America, and he got like a, a viewer submitted question. You know, talking about the, the price tag of the iPhone. IPhone, iPhone X or iPhone 10, whatever the hell we're calling it. And he said, I, I quote, well, it's a, it's a value price, actually, for the technology you're getting. As it turns out, most people are now paying for phones over long periods of time, and so very few people will pay the, the price tag of the phone initially. Also, most people actually trade in their current phone, and that reduces the price further, and some carriers even throw in subsidies and discounts. And so when we look at it, the phone, the iPhone in particular, has become uh, too essential in our daily lives. Uh, people wanted to do more and more and more, so we built more and more technology in order to be able to do that. And I, I guess, I guess that's right. I mean, it's just hard to fathom somebody laying out a thousand dollars for a cell phone, but yet, if you look at again what we used to pay for, like to have like a desktop computer in in the home. Why, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who actually, you know. Doesn't even have like a like a desktop or a laptop in their house. All they have is like an iPad and, and their smartphone. So, I guess that makes sense. It's just it's just funny how people react to a price tag like that, it, and they get outraged and they make assumptions about what things ought to cost.
2: Well, it's um, hard because a thousand dollars is is a lot of money. It's a chunk of change. It's man. it's a lot of money, and for a lot of the adults in this world, we remember when you know we, you you could get a flip phone for forty bucks. Right. So it's it's a it's a big leap for us. The the younger generations, however, don't necessarily feel that way because they they don't remember. It's not just a phone. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's never been just a phone for
1: that. It's not just a phone anymore. Right. I mean, it's 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 a lot more. It does a lot. It does a lot more. And I mean, ultimately, the market will the market will decide. Right. I mean, ultimately, either people are going to be willing to, to pony this out. You know, pony up a thousand bucks for the iPhone X uh, because they feel it's it's worth it because they feel they're getting a thousand dollars, I guess, worth the value uh, out of buying it, uh, or they're not. You know, which is where the free market steps in. You know, we're gonna see it's it's the ultimate democratic leveler. Although you gotta wonder, I think a lot of people just buy this stuff, especially Apple products. There's like a cult of Apple out there, and they just buy the new stuff just because. I'll stick with my Android. It's and still I, cheaper. I
2: skipped everything about the 6. I went right from 5C to 7. Yeah.
1: All right. Coming up next, uh, we're going to talk hate crime legislation with Aaron Burst. He is the executive director of the North Dakota State's Attorney Association. About Do we need hate crime legislation? We'll talk about it coming up. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, wday and 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob. Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. We're going to talk about hate crime legislation. It's become a topic here in North Dakota. Many organizations, many groups saying uh, we need it in the state. Others saying they're not so sure. I think you could count me in that latter group. But what do you think? 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email also talk at WDAY Associated Press reporting uh, earlier this week um, that there was uh, about the push for hate crime legislation in North Dakota. Uh, I quote from the article, it was one of the uglier incidents in recent memory in North Dakota's largest city, Fargo. A white woman was captured on cell phone video shouting, we're going to kill all of you at three Somali women in a Walmart parking lot. After the video was posted online and was widely viewed, the dispute was papered over uh, just a few days later uh, with the women meeting in the police uh, chief's office for hugs and posed uh, an opposed smiling photo. Uh, yet that incident and others have some people pushing for a comprehensive hate crimes law in North Dakota. Uh, H- Hakun Abdali, and I, I apologize if I'm, I'm, I'm butchering that, uh, a leader of Fargo Somali community uh said the walmart incident was only the latest and most visible one he said many others go unreported or are not charged appropriately by prosecutors he favors a state law with enhanced sentences for hate crimes this is something that can make a difference Abdoli said uh, others not so sure my guest aaron burst uh, a former prosecutor now with the north dakota association of counties uh and aaron you're also the executive director of the north dakota states attorney association
0: oh uh, that's correct rob uh thanks for having me on the show
1: Thank you uh, for, for coming on. I, I, when I when I think of hate crime legislation, I mean t- to me, anytime we're going to pass a law, my my the way I measure it is: is this going to be effective policy? Is this going to accomplish the goal that is is set out in in passing the law? And I, I think when you're when you're talking about passing a, a law pertaining to hate crimes, the obvious goal is to reduce hate crimes. And I just I, – I don't know. In, in the research that I've done, I, I have yet to find an indication where, where hate crime legislation passed by any state in this country has reduced hate crimes by any measurable amount. To me, well, this seems this seems very political. This this seems very uh, – we've got to do something, and so we're going to pass this law without a lot of thought about whether or not, in a practical way, this can reduce hate crimes.
0: Yeah, well, Rob, I guess from a prosecutor's standpoint, uh, there, there's no denying that minorities have been subjected to uh, very, very ter- terrible things. Sure. But in terms of the politics versus the legalese, from a prosecutor's standpoint, uh, we, we would rather enforce general laws, uh, and it just makes it easier. Because any time you add an additional element, now we have to prove another element in the crime uh, if we want to convict someone. And so going way back generations, we, we've adopted in North Dakota what's called the model penal code where it's general intent crimes. It's not a specific intent that I have to prove. If I, I don't have to prove you assaulted somebody because you didn't like the color of their skin, I just have to prove you assaulted them. And that's a much easier standard for a prosecutor to do than, than getting into every specific factual scenario and legislating accordingly.
1: 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at wday.com. So what you're saying is if we put hate crime legislation on the books and somebody is, is for instance, accusing uh, somebody else of, of committing a, a crime because of skin. Let, let's, say, let's say somebody assaulted somebody else, uh, and and so it's a hate crime because the, the, the motivating factor is allegedly the person's skin color. Now – what you're saying is, is that complicates the prosecution because now, in addition to, to proving the assault, you also have to prove, in order for it to be a hate crime, the motivation as well.
0: Co- correct. Is- and then that can get a little more complicated, too, because uh, the defense could ask for a lesser included, and so you have a lot more coming at the jury, and it's not as easy of a provable case uh, when they're balancing other factors. So from a prosecutor's standpoint, the easiest you can make it for the jury – on whether a crime occurred is, is the best way to do it. Now, again, what you could do if you want to let the judiciary know uh, that certain types of uh, conduct uh, deserves a higher punishment, well, then you can address that in the sentencing. But again, North Dakota has very broad discretion on sentencing, and most prosecutors and judges would, would look for a hard, harsher sentence if somebody is carrying out a crime specifically targeted at a race or religion of somebody. And, and so it already is kind of being uh, addressed that way. Now, if, if whoever, and I missed his name, but if he thinks that uh, some crimes have not gone reported or not handled appropriately, well, then I would ask him to sit down with his local state's attorney, because I know they'd be more than willing to listen uh, and try to ensure that those folks are protected just the same way as everybody else is.
1: 888-970-9329. email talk at wday.com um, I am I'm am, according to this this um, AP article uh, the anti-defamation league is saying that North Dakota has uh, clear gaps in its laws in in this area do you agree with them
0: well it depends on how you measure that it, it, if you ask any prosecutor I think they would tell you that uh, we enforce the law is is that's on the books, and we really uh, wouldn't say that there's a gap if if somebody is yelling that they're going to kill someone, uh, we already have the tools available to to hold them accountable for that kind of conduct. it doesn't matter why they were saying it we We can do that now um, and if if we need to increase the penalty uh, for such conduct, uh, we already have the ability to do that now, if the legislature wants to come in and add some additional sentencing factors, uh, we'd be more than willing to to help draft that too. But um, in terms of folks who are protected in North Dakota, I don't think there really is a gap of protection. Uh, There might be a practical gap in in terms of law enforcement taking a good report and those kind of things. But in terms of a willingness to make sure people don't get subjected to threats and abuse, uh, I don't think there's a gap. 701-293-9000,
1: 701-293-9000, 888 email talk at wday.com. We've been talking about this at the state level, but I'm, I'm reading here at the end of the AP article, uh, I quote, Fargo Mayor Tim Mahoney said, the city is ready and willing to beef up its ordinances to include hate crimes. He's working with the city attorney and police chief on a proposal. Uh, we have to decide what we want in it and what it would accomplish, Mahoney said. I, I, what's the distinction between like a state-level law, and a municipal ordinance like that. I mean, because I, I mean, th- does that mean that, that in Fargo you could be convicted of a hate crime as opposed to, to
0: say Grand Forks? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great question, Rob. I mean, uh, that is a debate that we have on numerous things. Uh, generally, the state controls what is the law and what is not the law. Uh, cities can mimic what the state has so they can use their own municipality, uh, but outright creating new laws might be suspect of whether they have that authority. Now, they may have that authority, uh, but it just complicates the matter more so if the state hasn't already spoke on the issue.
1: So it's a little bit complicated implementing that sort of policy at, at, at the city level, because I, I mean, if... If it's just outright – and we don't know what, what could possibly be proposed in, in Fargo. Mayor Mahoney says that a proposal is being worked on. But, I, I mean, essentially, if they went to the full hate crime – I, I guess if they did it, as, as most of us think about when we think about hate crime legislation, they would be talking about making some crimes more serious if it can be proved that it's motivated by – animus based on race or, or gender or sexual orientation or, or some of those factors. It, it definitely uh,
0: would complicate it because the city really has limited criminal jurisdiction. Uh, and now if they're operating with a different law and the, the, the county prosecutor, which is the, lo- the local state's attorney, if they're trying to balance all of those different laws, it definitely gets more complicated.
1: Well, it seems like a complicated thing all, all around. Uh, let me play Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. I mean, wh- what about the people who are saying like, and, and I, I don't know that I necessarily agree, but but like Mr. Abdulli and, and, and some of these other these other folks who are saying, uh, listen, there are crimes out there that, that are being motivated by racial animus or religious animus or, or sexual animus or sexual orientation, whatever that factor is, they're saying these are hate crimes and they're going unreported. How do we how do we deter that? I mean, other than you mentioned, you know, obviously, maybe we could do some work on sentencing. uh, But outside of that, how do we what do we do to to deter those things?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the the ultimate question. But I I think the larger answer is if if anybody feels that they're being threatened or, or persecuted for for, you know, for no good reason, uh, that is something that should be reported to their law enforcement, and their law enforcement has an obligation to write a report and send it to a prosecutor. I, I would be more sympathetic, I guess, if I felt like there were rampant prosecutors throughout the state that were not uh, treating those kind of cases uh, fairly. Then you could say we've got to send a message that they need to do that. But in my experience, most prosecutors uh, actually would really like to enforce those laws if somebody is picking on somebody because of a uh, a race or religion kind of thing. Uh, most prosecutors find that offensive, as do I, and would want to make sure that right. those folks are held accountable.
1: Well, there's really no reason why those crimes couldn't be reported today, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a situation where, I mean, if I'm if I you know if I'm out threatening somebody, or if I'm if I've assaulted somebody, or if I'm vandalizing property. I mean, those things are all crimes now, right? I mean, so 100
0: uh, uh, percent correct.
1: And, and so maybe we could argue that they should be more severe crimes, because I was allegedly motivated by uh, some sort of, of hatred, but they, they are still currently crimes, and you could still conceivably get convictions on those sorts of crimes, correct?
0: Oh, oh yeah, correct. Even the, the example that, that kicked off this whole campaign, uh, that is very much in the realm of a criminal activity. Now, I don't remember if, if anything resulted of that, or if they everybody just kind of held hands and, and uh, worked through it, but... Uh if, if you are threatening to kill someone, uh, that, is a, that is a crime in North Dakota.
1: Aaron, I thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, anytime, Rob. Thanks a lot.
1: That's Aaron Burst with the State's Attorneys Association in North Dakota, also with the North Dakota Association of Counties. We'll wrap the show up right after this, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I'm just reading this uh, Washington Post headline, uh, and it's actually republished in the uh, in the Grand Forks Herald. Uh, headline is: "New climate calculations could buy the Earth some time if they're right." Um, and I'm, I'm just marveling at it. I mean, first of all, the idea that that scientific conclusions, one way or the other, are going to buy the Earth time, as though the Earth. As, 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 as though the, the future of the planet were dictated by scientific papers and not scientific papers trying to measure in what direction the Earth is, is headed. Uh, they've got that completely backwards. And, and then also that, that part, if they're right, uh, I thought questioning science was only something anti science troglodytes did. Why, why all of a sudden are we, are we, it's okay to be skeptical now of scientific conclusions about climate change? I mean, is that that's okay now?
2: It seems like it seems like a headline that wasn't terribly well thought out.
1: It, I just and, and the thing is, is like I I want to understand climate change. Like I, I want to make sure that we understand what what our climate is doing because we know that there have been you know catastrophic climate changes in the Earth's past. So I there's nothing wrong. I mean, in my mind, yes, we should be studying the hell out of what our climate is doing and what human activity, what impact human activity is having on that i think that is a a hugely noble and needed area of study my problem is is that when scientists arrive at some wild conclusions a lot of times which seem politically motivated i think it's okay to be skeptical of those conclusions and indeed this report if you read the article beyond the headline of the washington post this report is finding that a lot of the models that were done about climate change on earth were, were wrong. They were measuring wrong. They figured that out. They've, they're, they're producing new models, uh, and things don't look as bad. And I think there's been a lot of people probably saying that for a long time who were derided and, and sort of attacked by the, uh, the, the, church of climate change for saying that. And now here it is, it's, it's right. And I, I don't, or, uh, we've got a new report and we've got new models and I, I mean, there's so much we don't understand about this. And I, I think t- to me, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not that I, I'm opposed to any given scientific finding. I, I'm just a little tired of being asked to treat every new finding as though it were gospel when everything we know about science is that it is a continuum of constant discovery and revision. We are always changing what we understand about the world as we make new discoveries and as we, we learn new things. So, I don't know. And really, both sides of the climate change debate have, have, you know, arrived at conclusions. I mean, there's one side, oh, it's not happening at all. And there's the other side that says, oh, it's totally happening. We're all going to die in 10 years. I mean, according, according to Al Gore, we weren't supposed to have polar ice caps anymore by this point. I mean, he literally said that at one point by, like, a couple of years ago. We weren't supposed to have polar ice caps. Well, guess what? We still have them. That's it for me today. Jay Thomas Show straight ahead. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or, of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.